Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, the All Blacks selector Grant Fox assesses the All Blacks position a year out from the Rugby World Cup, and an Australian is picked in the Silver Fern squad. The top caddy Steve Williams finally hangs up his bag, shot put Queen Valerie Adams faces surgery, while Martin Sneddon takes on a new role. With a year to go until the Rugby World Cup kicks off in England, the All Blacks look to be in a strong position to become the first team to win back-to-back titles. Steve Hansen's side has lost just once since lifting the Webb Ellis Cup in 2011 and again showed their determination to grind past South Africa 14-10 in Wellington last week. I caught up with the former All Black and current selector Grant Fox and asked how he thinks the team is tracking towards 2015. We've tracked well since 2011. You know, we're pretty happy with where we're at. But um, if we think where we're at now is going to get us success in 2015, we're deluding ourselves, and we're not deluding ourselves because this group is constantly, you know, trying to get better, finding ways to get better, and that's not just the players. That's through the coaching group and the rest of the management as well. So, um, you know, we're tracking well. Um, but a year, you know, look, a week's a long time in sport, let alone a year. So, um, but you know, you know, things things are shaping up okay. It's sort of becoming a key trait of the Silver Lake team, isn't it? The winning, winning close ones, and just finding a way when it looks like you know all hopes lost almost. Yeah, we've been sort of tracking that way for a little while. I mean, there was a period you don't have to go too far back to think about it, where we were, you know, we were sort of on the wrong end of those tight games, and we we weren't finding ways to win them. Well, this group is, and I think um, what, the pain of 2007 is part of that. You know, there's a big learning curve, and so a lot of Work has been done on the mental side of the game to give these guys coping mechanisms to to cope with the stress and the pressure, you know, that, that you get under in those games. Uh, so, you know, we're, 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 we're finding ways to win games at times. You think, well, how did we do that? We shouldn't have done that. And yet, you know, we've got out of it. So that's what you need to win Rugby World Cups. So I think we saw that in the final in 2011. And we sort of found a way to win a game that, you know, for all intents and purposes in the second half, you think, well, the better teams actually... The one in blue, not the one in black, and yet we still won it, albeit by a point. It doesn't matter. One's enough. So um, yeah, but but the mental fortitude comes not by accident. It comes, you know, by a lot of work in that area. Gilbert and Oka does a massive amount of work with the group, and and, and the leadership of the team is just superb. You know, the, the senior guys we've got just lead this group outstandingly. And looking at some of the personnel you've been able to develop this year, you must be pretty happy with the situation at ten and with. Dan Carter almost coming back? Yeah, look, I think in the last... We've introduced quite a few guys in the last two and a bit years. Um, I don't know what we're up to now. Patrick, you might better help about 15 or something, I think we've, we've introduced now. And not all of them have had a lot of rugby. Some have, some have had more, you know, quite a bit of rugby. Um, but we are building that depth. But we've kept some of the experienced guys with them so that they've... You know, it's a, it's a good learning environment for them and that knowledge is passed on. And, um, you know, a lot of work's done to get these guys ready to 
to perform on this stage, and it's because it's it's a big stage, and they they call them test matches for a reason. So um, you know we're we're satisfied with you know the young talent that's coming through and and the depth we, we're we're building. But look, there's it's, it's quite possible next year that there might be a, one or two players who put their hand up. I can't think of names just yet, but who might just say, you know what, we demand to be picked. We've pushed through and we are better than the incumbent. And that's the key thing. It's not about being as good as the incumbent. You've got to be better than the incumbent to, to force your way into the group. And look, it's quite possible that might happen. With Dan Carter, he's had a pretty rough couple of years and now trying to come back again. Do you expect that he will be the number one if he's available at, uh, next year? Or do you think... Well, well, that'll be up to Dan. You know, Dan will get an opportunity, and then it's up to him to perform. Um, but but form is temporary, and class is permanent. And you, you, Dan's worked really hard. Um, you know, on his body, um, particularly in, in the off season, where he had a break and had had a bit of surgery to tidy things up. And the irony is, he was in the best physical shape he's probably been in for a couple of years and I know talking to Rich he said he's the best mentally he's seen him for a little while too and then he just went and got an impact injury and that can happen in the game so just when he was on his way back he's had to sit it out again but um, you know he'll Dan will get an opportunity soon enough um, but he'll play a bit of ITM Cup rugby first and um, and we'll see what happens but um, you know Dan will be determined I know that but we've got a couple of youngsters who are pretty determined too so it's a good position to be in. Yeah you think um, it'll be important for Bowden to get a bit more time in the saddle after having that one start before 2015. Well, Bowden's played quite a bit of Test rugby already. Yes, he's only had one start, but <clears throat> when you're picking a group, you're picking 23. You're not just picking 15, and you've got to get your balance right in terms of, you know, not only injury cover off the bench, but your athlete profile to have an impact on the game. <clears throat> and um, you know, Bowden is an explosive athlete who can actually, you know, covers two positions for us when he's on the bench. So. You know, um, will Bowden get more opportunities to start? Yes, most likely. Um, and, and we've got to give him that opportunity. But at the same time, we, we, we think in terms of a 23 as well, not just a 15. So I think um, some people may need to think, you know, about how that works because um, that's the nature of the game nowadays. Do you think the timing of Nonu's injury might play into your hands a bit? On the end of your tour, being able to bring Sonny Bill Williams back and, and that sort of thing? Well, the Roosters losing might be part of that too. <laughs> Although, they, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, yeah, look, it, it probably makes the decision on Sonny Bill look you know, that much better perhaps. But um, And, you know, you know, Ryan Crotty did a great job for us here against Australia. And as I said, Malachi's an exciting young talent. So it just allows us to build you know, more depth. It feels sad for Ma. Um, you know he's worked really hard and he's done a great job for us yet again as he does all the damn time. Um, but he might get a big off season that he hasn't had for a long time. So Mark could even come back in better shape next year. So we could get, get an even better Manonu. Who knows? But it probably means Sonny Bill Williams might play a little bit more football than, than you know than was than was perhaps planned for. We'll have to wait and see how that that pans out. But um, you know what we what we are doing right at the moment and Mar's injury. Um, Sad for him, but it just allows us perhaps build a bit more depth in that position. So, you know, inju- in- injuries can be a curse, but they can be a blessing at the same time. And sometimes it forces you to build your depth, and, and-, and injuries have forced us to-, us to do more of that this year than we did in the last two years. All Black selector Grant Fox. After a humiliating loss to Australia in the final of the Commonwealth Games, the New Zealand netball team is turning to someone from across the Tasman for the upcoming Constellation Cup Series. 
The Australian-born shooter Amelia Ann Wells has been named in the 12-player Silver Fern squad for the four-test series against the Diamonds next month, with her shooting performance at the trials earning her selection ahead of Ellen Halpenny. The coach, Waitaumanu, says she is a surprise selection. Well, Amelia Ann turned up on Monday and really we just invited her along to see what she was like um, because we don't have that many shooters in our franchise teams and we thought we needed to see what she was before she started playing. So um, on that day too we realised that Maria was not going to be available and Malia Paseka was also ruled out. So two of the shooting um, candidates were ruled out. That really opened a window of opportunity for, um, for Am- Amelia Ann that I don't think any of us anticipated would be there when she arrived. Um, so I had a bit of a chat to her yesterday and said, you know, this is going to be, how do you feel about putting on a black dress? And she was not at all phased. In fact, she said she's grown up in a household where that's been something they've discussed since she was a baby. Um, she came over here with the intent to try and do that. It's just, I guess, the shock for her is that it's happened so quickly. But as I pointed out, there have been injuries and they've made an opportunity that um, we didn't anticipate. Um, sectors are unanimous. She, was, she deserves her place in there. Um, but I think we have to be realistic. When other people come back, we will look at that group again. And what's the situation with Catherine Latu's injury? Is she fit or...? Yes, she is. Um, we'll manage that because she is still you know, in the um, post-rehab stage, so we don't want to do anything that would, um, that would impede her continuing performance. And we, you know, we really want her on the court, is what I'm really saying, so we will look after her. Um, but yes, she's fine. And I know during Glasgow you said how much you, you hate going in unprepared and with these unexpected things and you're sort of going in again, so how are you going to manage it this time? Uh, we, well, it's not unexpected. I mean, one of the issues with Catherine was that she'd never been injured, so we, we know how to manage her and we will continue to do that. Um, I think you know one of the learnings from Manchester, from Glasgow, was that... Um, Injuries have a huge effect, especially if they happen in the, in the same place, so we have to grow depth. I think what we've really done in the midcourt is grown some depth, largely as a result of, of injuries in the past couple of years, but we now have this really competitive midcourt, um, and ideally that's what we're going to try and grow again in the shooting circle. And has Alan Harpenny sort of paid the price, I guess, for that poor performance in um, Glasgow? Uh, she has really, but um, she... Amelia Ann shot more accurately than Alan in these trials. So, you know, we did come in looking um, with fresh eyes at everybody um, and we wanted to take on form the people who came out of these trials playing the best. Now, Amelia Ann's shooting accuracy was better than Alan's in the last week. Um, Alan still has opportunity to play England or play in New Zealand A against England, so there's still lots of opportunities and she does know that and she also knows the areas where she has to work. And uh, yeah, I guess with shooting being such a big problem in that last game that you can't afford to be sentimental about it? Absolutely not. And it's not easy telling people that they're not in. Um, But we were really clear as selectors that we were taking the most accurate shooters and that turned out to be Amelia Ann. So we were surprised, but we still did what we set out to do, which was put the most accurate shooters in the group. And so in your mind, do you have an idea of who your starting shooters will be in that first test? Uh, look, I don't know who in the first test, but at this stage it's likely to be between Catherine, Jodie and Bailey. The more senior members, the ones we know best. But, yep, Amelia Ann deserves her place. And do you still fully have belief when you go into a game against Australia that you can beat them? Or is it after that last game just trying to get that margin down? <clears throat> look, I... We certainly don't believe that we're 18 goals worse. We know that we're going in as underdogs. We're 5-0 and right now, which is not a position we want to be in. But, yeah, no, we certainly believe that if we put um, a consistent game on the court and we finish it with good shooting, that we're competitive, yeah. Amelia Ann Wells was just as shocked when she was named in the team.
I was um, grateful enough for the opportunity to be here in the training or the trial group anyway. Um, when I got named the squad, that was huge for me. And then being named in the team was just something that I couldn't even be- like believe. So, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Have you processed the thought yet of what it's going to be like playing against Australia? Yeah, I have. I definitely have. But I think um, no matter how much you kind of think about it, I don't think anything will prepare you for it on the day. So, yeah. You're singing the wrong anthem. I had the right anthem. <laughs> it's funny, you know, because um, luckily we gr- like grew up with it anyway, so I'm lucky enough to already know it. <laughs> helps. Yeah. And I guess, has it been a long-held ambition to play for New Zealand, or is it just something that's come about with you coming over here for ANZ? Or? Um, yeah, it's funny, um, as a family, we've always threw it around a little bit, saying that I should always go back to New Zealand and play in New Zealand, because obviously I still have a ton of family here. Um, never obviously actioned it and now when I went over to Pulse and I didn't think of it and then when the opportunity came up obviously I took it with both hands and this is where it's led me so um, yeah it's crazy how quick it happened. Is there any sort of adjustment of playing style or anything between the New Zealand and Australian teams that you might have to adjust to or is it quite similar? Yeah there's definitely a different playing style which um, I have will have to definitely get used to. Um, seem to slot into it a little bit easier than I thought, so that's a, always a good thing. Uh, but it's definitely different. So there is quite a lot of things I'm going to have to learn and quickly learn and quickly get used to. So, but it's all it's quite enjoyable. So it's good. And I guess you never want to see injuries, but in this case, it's sort of opened the door for you. Yeah. You wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for obviously Maria um, still struggling with that injury. Yeah. Look, I mean, um, she'll come back stronger than ever, and it's so so sad to see her out when she was actually always being my netball idol, which is funny. So, um, and I even roomed with her this trip. So yeah, I mean, look, I think um, I'm yeah yeah just taking the most of this opportunity, and we'll see where it goes in the future. So. And, know, and knowing that you're sort of taking someone's place or like any court time you mm. get, is, is that much more important? I guess with things like the World Cup and that uh, coming up next year, you want to really make an impression? Of- yeah, look, I mean, I think um, any court time I get, I'll obviously give absolutely everything I can and just do my absolute best, um, knowing that obviously situations can change in the near or distant future. That's the new Silver Ferns shooter, Amelia Ranwells. After 36 years, Steve Williams is hanging up his bag, deciding to give up full-time caddying on the USPGA. The 50-year-old has been working with world number two Australian Adam Scott since 2011, but said earlier this year he intended to cut back his caddying duties to spend more time with his family in New Zealand. As a combination, they won four times on the PGA Tour, including the 2013 Masters, which gave Scott his first major title and he was ranked number one in the world for the first time earlier this year. Scott wanted Williams to stay on full-time, but Williams says part-time is the way he wants to go. Williams was bag carrier for 13 of Tiger Woods' 14 major victories, but they had an acrimonious split three years ago. Stephen Hewson spoke to Williams about his decision. I have mentioned for the last several years that retirement's not too far on the horizon for myself, so yeah, when it came towards the end of the season, last week was the last official PGA Tour tournament for the season, and when we sort of went through what we were progressing to do in 2015, I guess we were on different ends of, you know, we had different ideas on and views on my involvement for the following season, so, you know, I just decided that it was time to, you know, take a break. Next year I was going to you know, only caddy part-time 
uh, and selected events for Adam, but I think he wanted a little bit more than that. So we, hey, we just called it. We just you know, called it quits. Is it the body that's giving up on you, or is it simply the fact that you've done it for so long? No, it's definitely not the body. <laughs> but uh, no, look, you know, you, you, when you, you when you get to a certain point in, in, in your life and you've travelled as much as I do, it's just time to spend time with your family. I mean, I've put my work as my priority for a large number of years, and my priority now lays with my family. So that's that's the main decision. I want to I want to spend time with my son, watch him grow up, uh, as opposed to being overseas so much. You know, right now I don't have any plans. I'm not caring for Adam right now, and I don't have any plans going forward. I'll probably spend between now and Christmas time just thinking. You know, do I want to keep caring? On a part, would I like to carry on a part-time basis moving forward, or do I just want to completely retire? It? So between now and Christmas, I'll think about that. I imagine once the word gets out, do you get had a, or have you already had a few approaches? <laughs> yeah, well, I've never actually looked for for a carrying job because I well, I haven't had that many jobs, uh, but I've never actually looked for one. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's no doubt I'll get a couple of offers, and um, but we'll just see what happens. It's, in the meantime, it's just like I said, I want to spend time with my family and, and uh, go from there. Who would be the kind of golfers that would approach you? I mean, I'm just thinking if, if you're going to caddy at a major, presumably those kind of players have, have got caddies that, that are regular with them. Yeah, well, look, the, the caddying circle is an ever-changing um, circle. It's a kind of, you know, there's always caddies getting hired and fired and, you know, it's nothing uncommon to change caddies. So, but, you know, for myself, you know, it'd have to be somebody that would be prepared to take me on not on a full-time basis, so that you know that limits the number of opportunities right there. So, but you know, hey, I'm not even really thinking about that right now. Tiger Woods, for example, can can you see him winning another major? Well, uh, there's no question. I think if he's fit and healthy, he's obviously had uh, some considerable health issues uh, in the past couple of years. But if he's fit and healthy, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't win another major. It's obviously a struggle for him at this point, though. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's obviously had major back surgery. Um, and, and the golf is obviously a very strenuous sport as far as your back's concerned. Uh, he's had major back surgery, and you know there are a lot of players that have struggled to come back after major back surgery. But um, you know he's still young. He's obviously very fit. So you know I, I don't see any reason why not that he couldn't uh, come back and contend. It's not as easy as it probably was when he was at his best. But you know he, he would still have the desire and the ability to do that, so I don't really, really see any reason why I couldn't, or couldn't. Rory McIlroy, your thoughts on him? Right now, he is uh, one of the most impressive players I've ever seen, to be fair. Um, I love the way he plays golf. He just, you know, he's sort of a grip-it-and-rip-it type of player, a very aggressive player. I love the way he's playing, and, uh, yeah, I think he's a guy that's setting the benchmark right now, and I don't see any reason why he won't continue to do so. He's uh, one fantastic competitor, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's an awesome player. When you look back on your, your caddying, what are, are the highlights? I mean, you've obviously got the majors that you, you've, you've won with Tiger, but, the, I mean, what is it that hits you possibly the most, or what will you miss the most by not being on the, the tour regularly? To be fair, I, I don't think I'll miss it at all. I could be wrong in saying that, but, you know, I've spent 36 years caddying, so I, I don't think I'll miss it at all. There's been, you know, too many highlights to point out one particular highlight, but uh, hey, look, I've been fortunate to carry some great players, have carried on all the best golf courses in the world, and you know it's been a great, uh, a great run. I'm not saying it's coming to an end, but it possibly could be. But yeah, it's been a fantastic journey.
Do you actually play much yourself these days? I don't, but I will be able to have that time now. <laughs> How often do you get out there? Oh, very seldom, three, four times a year, but um, now that I've got a little bit of free time, uh, my son wants to start playing a bit of golf, as does my wife, so uh, it'll be a nice family threesome. And it hasn't put you off? You, you have a passion to play? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think if you're a golfer, it's one of those games that you can enjoy for many, many years, and... Uh, yeah, no, I've been around the sport all my life and that, but uh, I haven't played as often as I'd like because of my other commitments. But now that I'm going to have a bit of spare time, yeah, no, I'm going to enjoy having some golf. Steve Williams talking to Stephen Hewson. New Zealand's champion shot putter Valerie Adams faces surgery in the off-season after ending her European campaign with an unfortunate non-start in the Continental Cup in Morocco this week. With 56 straight competition wins under her belt, Adams failed to start after a painkiller injection for a shoulder problem hit a nerve and made the double Olympic champion's hands numb. Adams is due home by the end of the month. She's been bothered with her shoulder all season and had a similar operation in 2007. Her manager, Nick Cowan, says they'll now work with her medical team to determine long-term strategies and solutions to get back to 100% fitness and form. Yeah, look, it's been a, it's been a long old year for Valerie. Um, she's had uh, th- this shoulder injury um, that she's managed all the way through. And like um, any sort of injury, um, that can often lead to, to stresses and niggles in other areas. And, um, and so she's experiencing pain in, in all sorts of different areas, elbow included. And um, really, uh, in, from a holistic viewpoint, um, she's got to get home, get this shoulder uh, sorted um, and, and fixed, and, and then get on top of, of the other niggles and, and pain. So the summer pretty much uh, will be out for her then? I think so at this stage. I mean, um, those sorts of final decisions will be made in the coming weeks, obviously, once we get a feel for Exactly, you know, surgery, not surgery, and, and it's likely to be surgery. But, but yeah, uh, at this stage, we're planning for her to, to not be competing this summer. That may change, but our plan at this stage is for her not to compete and get her 100% right for next year's international season. I understand she's, uh, what, she had surgery, what, a few years ago, didn't she? So it's just sort of an ongoing process when it comes to a top athlete? Uh, yeah, it is. It is really. I mean, um, th- things like this happen, don't it? And um, yeah, look, I, I, you know, as I sort of said yesterday, we're not actually that concerned about the surgery around the shoulder. It, it, it's not. It's not serious surgery, but it's just something that needs to be done and tidied up, much like the the knee uh, and ankle surgery she had last year. And and you know, it is. It is a bit of a, a life of an international athlete. And um, yeah, it hasn't been an easy year for her to manage these things, but um, we're, we're very confident that we just need to get on top of these things and, and get back to uh, to normal uh, normal international seasons. Um, because uh, while she's been winning this year, you wouldn't say the the, the distances were sort of uh, startling in any way. Can we can put it down to just the ongoing niggles? I think we can. Yeah, yeah. She's had quite a disruptive year in that respect, um, and and for want of a word, has, has battled and muscled her way through, which has, has been outstanding, um, but has made it very, very tough for her. What does 2015 hold? It's World Champs in uh, Beijing next year, so that will be the major focus, uh, is uh, getting ready for that. And, um, 
you know, planning a, a successful uh, World Champs campaign. Nick Cowan talking to Barry Guy. The former Rugby World Cup Chief Executive Martin Sneddon has taken over as the Group Chief Executive of promotion company Juco Events. A lawyer by profession, Sneddon was previously Director of the International Cricket Council and the New Zealand Cricket CEO. Sneddon will now relinquish his directorship at the ICC, but the 55-year-old will remain on the board of both New Zealand Cricket and the 2017 World Master Games in Auckland. Joe Porter asked what attracted him to Duco, whose primary interests have been in the world of boxing. I'm attracted to the Duco business because they've been successful. I mean, they've, they've done a fantastic job with the uh, NRL Nines in its first year, and uh, part of my job will to be to make sure that that continues to be successful. Uh, they have done a really good job looking after uh, the career of Joseph Parker. It's clear that Joseph has a lot of talent, uh, and he could go a long way in boxing. And uh, you know, to be part of just overseeing how that how he has kept just going in the right direction is going to be something that's really interesting. And you know, the Fight for Life event that Duco have run for now for almost 10 years is a success. Uh, it's an event that, that is a commercial success, and at the same time it's put hundreds of thousands of dollars into charities around New Zealand. So those are good things to be involved in. So I'm, I'm you know, excited about getting involved in those and also excited about working with David Higgins and Dean Lonergan to see where it is we can take the business in the future. Did Dean and David approach you or did you approach them re this role? Yeah, that, Dean and David came to me about 15 months ago and started floating the idea. And at that stage, I was very heavily involved in tourism, and and it wasn't the right time. But we we reactivated that conversation a few weeks ago, and uh, in the end, I felt that it was the right time. And uh, so it's moved pretty quickly from there. What do you think will be some of your biggest challenges, I guess, in your new role? Uh, you know, bearing in mind that I guess it's uh, involving some sports that perhaps you haven't had as much involvement with as you have others in the past. Yeah, well, I, I think events, whilst what's at the heart of events can vary from sport to sport or event to event, um, the reality is there's a there's a core there that is. Uh, Goes across all events. It's, it's how you how you pull an event together, how you uh, make sure that it works, and how you make sure that it works uh, for the fan and, and commercially. So, you know, that's that's the sort of uh, business that I've been in, involved in now for a long time. So I can add in uh, quite a bit into the Duco mix. These guys are already successful at running events. Uh, the option now is to bring me in and and not only consolidate on that success, but has actually looked to grow the business. And, and those, those opportunities are going to exist uh, within New Zealand, and some of them are going to exist offshore. And I think this is a new phase that, that Duco is entering into. That new phase you talk about, is, is that, I guess, one of the particular challenges that excited you about this role, about expanding? Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, you know, both of these guys uh, have a great deal of... Uh, courage and willingness to uh, go into the unknown and see whether or not something can be made to work. And naturally when you do that, some things work and some things don't. Um, And what they've been able to do is make sure that enough of it has worked and worked really well uh, to get the business to where it is now. 
now we're we're at an opportunity where we can say, right, uh, there's things that have worked. Is there a way in which uh, we can use some of the learnings from that to take the business offshore and to see whether or not there are opportunities in some other countries uh, to create events that suit those countries and which can succeed for the fans, um, for the partners that get involved in those events and for Duco itself. With Joseph Parker in particular, obviously there have been rumours and links to various American boxing promoters uh, sort of thrown about at this point in time. Is that something that you would like to get involved with or is it something you will be involved with, dealing with uh, the other promoters, the bigger promoters perhaps from other parts of the world? Duke have already got uh, pretty strong lines of communication into uh, the international boxing community and their recent trip to Pennsylvania for uh, one of uh, Joseph's fights was another opportunity just to further strengthen those links. Um, these guys have done a really good job nurturing Joseph to where he is now, and they know he's got the potential to go a lot further, so they're putting a lot of time and effort and money into his career to assist him through that. They've got a long-term contract with him, managing his career from this point on. Uh, they've put Kevin Barry next to him, and Kevin's obviously you know one of New Zealand's uh, best fighters and best trainers, and he knows the international boxing scene, so he's able to provide really good advice as to how to progress Joseph's career. From my point of view, it's lovely to to actually come into that at this time where you know there's a real chance Joseph's career will take off in the next year or so. And I think just to be part of, of uh, the growth of that career uh, will be something that I'm looking forward to greatly. Martin Sneddon speaking with Joe Porter. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves, and we'll be back with more extra time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.